1: Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Thursday, September 17th, 2020, we are here. The
2: Green Bay Packers are 1-0. They are into their practice week, working into week 2 And getting into, hopefully, what is preparation for 2-0 and for the second consecutive year in the Matt Lafleur era, starting with two big division wins, one on the road and one at home after a 43-34 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Now, moving on to the Detroit Lions. And my favorite nugget that has been shared about this matchup came from Matt Schneidman. The Packers have not had a lead in regulation against the Detroit Lions since... Oh, gosh, I don't remember the exact date, but it was the 2018 season when Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. And it was the last game of the season against Detroit when Brett Hundley started. They kicked a field goal to take a three nothing lead. That's the last time the Packers have led the Lions in regulation. That's insane to me but that is the case uh they won both games last year against Detroit so let's start off with that I'm your host today for our Thursday crew we've got the whole trio together celebrating I don't know can you celebrate a victory Thursday why not it's the first game of the season we're not the players we don't have to move on to the next (laughs) week it doesn't affect anything so I'm the host today I'm Jacob Westendorf I'm joined by Maggie Loney as always Maggie welcome back to the show
3: thanks uh you know just here
4: doing my thing (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, <laughs> well, you're never just here. So let's start there. But she's here, we're
4: happy she's here and not so happy that Jimmy's here. But Jimmy, you're here too. Yes, unfortunately, I'm here with you. Happy to hear, be here with Maggie. But I like you said, I think it's fine to celebrate a win until like 1 minute before the next game. I'm that person. I'll celebrate Damn. a win until the very last moment. Especially against the Vikings and especially after a
2: off season in which and you guys can vouch for me on this. All we've heard all off is how the Vikings are the most complete team in the division. The Packers were lucky. Minnesota's better. The Packers were the worst thirteen and three team ever. Which apparently, I took to Twitter after the game and asked if the Packers were the worst one and 0 team ever. And some people apparently didn't understand that that was sarcasm. Uh, I've gotten some pretty hateful things said in my mentions the last couple of days, but that's okay. Uh, I can I can move on from that. But it was nice to see. Uh, I'm a firm believer. This is the conclusion I've come to anybody who said that the Vikings were better than the Packers paid attention to two things this offseason. one that they went with the premise that the Packers were a fortunate team last year, which fair. I understand that at least I'll listen to that reasoning Uh, Two, that. They drafted Jordan Love in the first round. Those are the only two things I think that they based that analysis on for the entire season. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, Like I mentioned last week on the show, I don't think the Vikings are very good. I think had the Packers kept the pedal to the floor on defense, that game would have been UGLY ugly for the Vikings. And we might have been talking about 43 to 10. So that's just where it is. It's beautiful. But we are going to move on to the Detroit Lions. And this week we have the Packers defense against the Lions offense. And the Lions offense, the Lions are coming off of a game where they scored 23 points, had a 23 to 6 lead in the fourth quarter against Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago bears and magic Mitch came back with a 21.4th quarter and the lions they're lionsy. I don't even know how else to describe it. I think that's an adjective. When I say that you guys are like, yep, you know exactly what that means. The lions invent ways to lose games. I want to give a special shout out to my friend, Russell Brown. Russ bubbled himself while his son was playing a baseball doubleheader. So he had no idea what was going on. And I watched him live tweet this game as it was happening. And I was so sad for him because I knew what happened. <laughs> and I watched him go through that process. And I felt like I should have been a good friend and told him. Don't watch the rest of this game, but he did. And I let him do it. And maybe I let him down in that way. But the lions are zero in one, as Matt Lafleur said, the lions are going to be a pretty ticked off team coming in this weekend. Maggie, have you watched any of Detroit this week? What were some of your impressions other than the obvious collapse from what happened on Sunday? What are some of your impressions of this team coming into Lambeau field on Sunday afternoon?
3: I caught a little bit of the game, but I'm going to go back and rewatch it. I was hoping when the all 22 came out, I'm still, you know, maybe by the time this podcast drops, it'll be out for the Packers. Yeah. Dusty
2: Evely is pissed. I'm convinced he missed yesterday's show because he's, actively searching for ways to hurt the people that are not putting this up.
3: Yeah. But I mean, I, I feel for Deandre Swift, we talk about this a little bit pre-show, but you know, I do think that this is a hungry lions team. I think that the lions, you know, had a shot at being one of the better teams in the division, you know, Perry Goldstein from packs, she said, has said this for the entirety of the offseason. She said, look out for the lions. They could very well be the team contending with the Packers for the, you know, front runners in the North this year, they have the best quarterback. They have arguably the best receiving core. Um, Also, I want to clarify, best quarterback of the other three, not of the division. Um,
2: I knew what you meant, but I know that (laughs) somebody was going to jump in and say (laughs) that.
3: (laughs) Um, But their receiving core is solid. Um, You know, they brought in Adrian Peterson, who historically has his best games against the Packers. So, no, I mean, I think this is a really good Lions team. And going into the season, I was more concerned about week two than I was week one. So now that the week one dub is out of the way, Curious to see what
2: happens week two. Jimmy, you actually brought up that question before the show started was, were you more concerned about the Vikings or the lions? So now I guess I can pose that question to you is who are you more concerned about the Vikings or the lions uh, from the naked
4: eye? Um, So I'm not going to lie going into last week's game. I was nervous about the Vikings just because in my mind they had, well, they have a better coach than the lions do. So like that was a big thing for me because Patricia is just an idiot. I was gonna say let that let's be clear, that bar is very low. Yeah, and like you said, they do lion lions things. So I, I assumed somehow we were gonna lead for zero seconds and win again. So but I don't know, watching last week, them they had they were so close to winning. It's it's literally what happened last year to start off the game. They were beating the Cardinals, they let them come back and tie the first week, and now this time they let Mitch Trubisky out of all people come back. Um I don't know if they can avoid the injury bug. I'm more nervous about the lions. It just seems right now that they they've been hit so much that I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to be too worried about them. They have the talent, but it just seems like people are falling off left and right.
2: Yeah, that's fair. And one of the big ones obviously is Kenny Galladay. I watched Kenny Galladay, my bachelor party. That's been two years now. Uh, Absolutely destroy ha Clinton Dix just in front of all of us. And he uh, did not practice today. So that's a big one to watch moving forward. The other big one is, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his first name, but Mr. Vitae, uh, one of their tackles, did not practice today. So that could be something too big to watch moving forward. Looking into this matchup, I'm with you guys. I am more concerned about the Lions. I said it last week, guys, I, I don't think the Vikings are very good. Uh, I don't think they're very good on up front on either side of the ball. You had it, I don't think their secondary is very good. And my opinion of Kirk Cousins is obviously not very high, as I think is the case across a vast majority of the Packers fan base. So, you know, my thoughts on Minnesota are not very high. I do have them finishing second in the division, and that's mostly based on the thoughts that I have on the other two teams. Uh, the Bears defense, I think I've mentioned, is the the best overall unit. Uh, although if the Packers offense is going to play like it did on Sunday, then that may very well not be the case either. Uh, but the Bears defense, I think, top to bottom is the best unit in the NFC North. The Lions, it's just a question of what do they do that's great. I think that you know Matthew Stafford is kind of a more talented version of Kirk Cousins. He has a lot of those. He has some of those wild moments as far as an arm talent standpoint. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks better than him in the league, but it just seems like he puts up a lot of his production and garbage time. Now, he has had some nice moments against the Packers, especially in the last couple of years. So Green Bay has got a challenge in favor or in front of them this week in terms of getting after Matthew Stafford and their offensive line is better than Minnesota's. I mean, you go across from left to right. Taylor Decker is a pretty solid left tackle. Joe Dahl and Jonah Jackson are their guards. Frank Ragnall is okay at center. And especially if Kenny Clark can't go, that's a matchup that certainly goes then in favor of Detroit. And let's start there. Cause Kenny Clark did not practice today with a groin injury. He left after the Jair Alexander interception last week with a groin injury did not return. He ended up playing about 15 snaps It's hard to gauge how Green Bay's defense really did without him. Cause like I said, I think you can really say that you can chalk a lot of that up to garbage time. Minnesota really couldn't run the ball after the score was 29 to 10 anyways. And it's just kind of a, a weird game all the way after that anyway. So this game you're kind of thinking has a little bit more rhythm to it, but if Kenny Clark can't go, I've said this before. I think that he is the most indispensable player on this Packers roster as far as the drop-off between him and the next guy, other than Aaron Rodgers, obviously, because he's the quarterback. But if Kenny Clark can't go, you're talking about Tyler Lancaster, Montrevius Adams, Kingsley Kiki. I mean, we're not talking about the purple people eaters from the 1970s coming after uh, the front four here for Green Bay. So, Maggie, how do the Packers mitigate that loss of Kenny Clark? Because, again, like I said, you didn't see a whole lot in terms of what their plans might be on that front?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the Packers definitely benefited from the fact that they lost Clark after they had sustained a significant lead. So, you know, they weren't having to, I guess, generate as much towards uh, stuffing the run because we knew that the Vikings playing from behind, were probably going to be airing it out a little bit more, which, you know, played to the Packers advantage there. But I mean, I think the Kingsley Kiki gets the start. Uh, you know, it'll probably be Kiki Lancaster and Lowry for a majority of that base defense. Uh, I'm not convinced Adams can go. I know he was practicing, but you know, we'll see, I guess if he can go, I think that that would be significant to just have a rotational piece for the Packers. But I think we're just going to see a lot more of what we saw in the second half where you're adding in some Rashawn over center, because, you know, if Kenny Clark can't win or isn't available against uh, Frank right now, then Rashawn or Z would be the guy that you'd want lining up to generate that interior pressure. So I think we're going to see a lot of Preston Z and Gary all on the field at the same time. Uh, Like Zedarius kind of alluded to in the presser saying that they'd have to change Rashawn's last name um, because the three of them are going to see the field a lot more. Um, I thought Chris Barnes had a really impressive, I know he only played 15 snaps, but I think he looked really good in the middle of the defense and kind of what we've seen from him on a limited basis. So I would expect him to be in there because he he looked good in run support, honestly. You know, he had some really impressive tackles that if he doesn't make those, it's probably six. So I think that obviously the Kenny Clark loss is really significant, but all things considered with kind of the ways that they can move around some of those pieces, going into a more traditional base than maybe dime would probably be the best way to combat the loss of Kenny.
2: And Jimmy, we're talking about run defense this week specifically because the Lions are bringing in a old frenemy, if you will. And yeah. the ageless wonder, Adrian Peterson, uh, has signed with the Detroit Lions last week, 93 yards rushing, uh, unable to help put the game away, I guess. But still 87 years old and running back years yeah. and still playing very well from that standpoint. I've already said it. Adrian Peterson's going for a bill on Sunday. I, I feel very confident in saying that. I think that uh, that is something that even if the Packers had Kenny Clark, that might be something that they would be able to to accomplish. Peterson just seems to save his best for the Packers, yep. and he's just somebody that has tormented them. Uh, the Lions have a couple players like that. We call them against the Packers, all-stars. Marvin Jones is a player like that that we talked about before the show. But what's your concern level on – is he wearing – he is wearing 28, right? That's his number. Yeah. What's your concern on number 28 coming into Green Bay and potentially running – because all things considered, yeah, everybody panicked after the first drive, right, where the Vikings – it was kind of like a hot knife through butter in that first drive where they just kind of ran the ball down your throat. The Vikings, Dalvin Cook, 12 carries, 50 yards, but at 22-7, 29-10 – It's not like the Vikings can really play the style of ball that they want to play. So I don't know if we got a lot in the means of answers as to whether or not the Packers run defense has improved
4: in any significant way. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty nervous for Adrian Peterson coming in for the reason of one, Kenny Clark being out and two, like you said, he, he has a weird thing against the Packers that he just, he performs. It's that division rival um, going back to when he played for Minnesota. Uh, so I'm definitely nervous, and like Maggie said, I we're gonna see a lot more of Z in the middle, even Rashawn coming in the middle to maybe help that a little bit. But I I don't know how confident I am with Kingsley Kiki as a run stopper right now. Uh, I know when Kenny Clark mentioned before, he kind of praised his pass rush, pass rushing ability. Um, so we'll see what he can do against the run. But we even saw in the second half, and again they were in more passing uh, situations, but. Z was kind of that stand up nose tackle, but that's not going to work against a team that's trying to run the ball. So um, we'll, we'll see, but I'm definitely nervous. It's going to be a huge hole on the, on the D line. If Clark isn't there.
2: Yeah. And I certainly understand that. We'll see. I mean, Kenny Clark, like I said, did not participate as of today's injury report. We'll see. Uh, Like I said, it's only it's Thursday morning. So we only have Wednesdays to go off of. He was in the rehab group. That's a positive sign, but whether or not he's going to be able to go, that's a, that's a big one for green Bay's potential run defense, looking at the passing game and let's start at the tight end position. Cause the lions have invested a lot of resources into this position. Jesse James was a big money free agent. They've signed Hunter Bryant was one of the favorites as far as uh, Packers draft Twitter was concerned. A lot of people really liked him. And of course uh, TJ Hawkinson was the eighth overall pick that they took a year ago. So That's somebody that I know a lot of Packers fans kind of had their eye on with the 12th overall pick, which of course turned into Rashawn Gary. Hawkinson missed most of last season with an injury, but came back and had a nice game last week. The Vikings don't have, they have some nice players at tight end. Kyle Rudolph is a steady player. Irv Smith Jr. is kind of slowly coming into his own, but neither of those guys are the player in the case of Irv Smith, or excuse me, the player in the case of Kyle Rudolph or the prospect in the case of Irv Smith at TJ Hawkinson. Is what Jimmy is your level of concern with Green Bay being able to guard, excuse me, cover him with guys like Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, who didn't have the greatest week last week, Christian Kirksey, Chris Barnes, maybe it's Oren Burks or Will Redmond, um, you know, whoever it is that they throw out there at that guy, because this is somebody that can add another dimension. And it seems to be, you know, I know the narrative is that tight ends kill the Packers, but this is somebody with a a special level of talent that people really loved. And he kind of flashed some of that last week against uh, Chicago.
4: Yeah. I, I'm going to be a lot more confident if the Packers are able to have Raven green and have him cover Hawkinson. I think that'll be a huge step up from last week. And like you mentioned, Rudolph is a serviceable tight end. And so is Irv Smith, kind of on the come up, but Kirk cousins has a connection with Thielen, but he usually doesn't target his tight ends too much. It doesn't seem whereas Stafford, He's going to throw it to who's open, especially with Galladay out there. He's going to be trying to find another person to kind of carry the load in the passing game. So I'm definitely concerned, but my my concern level is going to go down if we have Raven Green. Raven Green, and we we brought in Kirksey. To, he's extremely athletic. I think if need be, he can definitely cover Hawkinson. Um, but I don't know if Raven Green's in. I, I feel I feel comfortable. Guardian Hawkinson, just mainly because Galladay isn't there. If Galladay was there and it was just another piece you had to worry about, then my my level goes up.
2: Yeah, and that's certainly a, a fair assumption. As far as Raven Green goes, he was a limited participant in today's practice, so didn't play last week uh, with that injury. So that'll be something to watch there. Maggie, any concern with uh, the the Lions last year? We kind of talked about the blueprint last week with Minnesota, but with the Lions being able to potentially go double tight with Hawkinson and Jesse James and kind of playing, again, illusion of complexity, very similar to the way the Packers can on offense and either run or pass out of those formations.
3: Yeah, I'm glad that Jimmy mentioned Raven Green. Um, I know he was limited, but he was somebody that I was kind of keeping cl- keeping a close eye on as far as um, who was practicing. Him and Montrevious Adams, I think those are two players that would probably make the biggest difference this week um, for the defense uh, with Kenny Clark being out. I think those are two guys that you would lean on we got not like a limited sample size because Christian Kirksey played, you know, 100% of the snaps, but I don't think we saw enough of kind of his capabilities going sideline to sideline. I don't think he was asked to do anything fancy week one, which, you know, is fine, but I definitely think that he'd be the kind of player that would shadow a guy like Hawkinson. Um, I think as far as like, like Jesse James is is legit you know he was pretty solid with Pittsburgh I think that that's a nice combination for them I think that that makes their offense more dynamic like you said um, and that, I think that would be the, the biggest concern um you know whether they're in 12 um, even if they I know the Packers have like one snap of 13 if the Lions go 13 um, with Hunter Bryant for like a snap or two you know that that pool of running backs that they have is, is really solid so I think that That same kind of illusion of complexity that you talked about, you know, whether the Packers play a lot out of base or if they're playing dime and Raven Green comes back. I think it's going to be up to that middle of the defense. That's that still seems like the place where the Packers are kind of limited right now is right through the middle, you know, without Kenny Clark and kind of losing that run support in the middle whoever happens to be opposite Kirksey, which I think, of course, we were all surprised was was not Oren Burks or Ty Summers week one.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm going to be curious to see how, uh, just how the Lions deploy those weapons. And you talked about, you know, the possibility with how some of those guys work. And I would be curious to see how somebody like Matt Lafleur would lose, would use those weapons that the Lions have, because you're talking about guys like Hawkinson and Jesse James and that stable of backs with guys like Adrian Peterson and On Johnson and DeAndre Swift. And that's nothing against the guys that Green Bay has, obviously, because I I think if you're talking. Straight up, at least at the running back position, I definitely prefer the guys Green Bay has. But at the tight end position, Hawkinson is a better prospect than the guys that the Packers have, at least uh, from that standpoint. So that's going to be something to watch. The receiver position is a big one uh, because Kenny Galladay is questionable at best at this point. He didn't participate today, and he's a freak show, uh, an absolute monster (laughs) at that position. And he's torched the Packers, and he has that size and speed combination that Kevin King is kind of a good matchup for, but honestly, he's just, he's given the Packers fits in his career. He's somebody that, like I said, he, he nearly ended ha ha Clinton Dix's career, I think in in a game in Detroit a couple years ago. And he's, he's a very good player. He's one of those, again, last week we kind of talked about Daniel Hunter being somebody that is one of the more underrated players in the sport. I think Kenny Galladay certainly fits the bill here as a wide receiver that couldn't play. Jimmy, the Packers last year, the injury fortune was kind of on their side in that they didn't miss a lot of guys on their own. This year, it seems, at least so far, knock on wood. Well, I shouldn't say knock on wood. But the injury luck appears to be on their side because right now you're talking about Galladay could miss this week. Uh, The Mm -hmm. Desmond Trufant may not play. Justin Coleman is not going to play this weekend. So the Lions will be without two of their top three corners, and that's on the other side of the ball. Then you start looking into next week against New Orleans. Michael Thomas is not going to play. That's a big that's the Saints best wide receiver. Yeah, you just start getting into some of these guys that aren't going to play. Green Bay's had some injury fortune on their side early, but former Wisconsin Badger, Quintes Cephas, was the most targeted receiver last week for the Lions. How are they going to redistribute those targets without Galladay in the lineup against the Packers?
4: Yeah. So, like you said, he was the most targeted player, which is interesting too because he is a rookie. So it's not like anyone on that team has had a chance besides training camp to really build um, a connection with them or that, that timing. So, which, and that could kind of explain why he only caught three of those targets, but that's definitely be something to watch going forward. And a person that's going to have a, a really tough matchup is actually, I, I think Chandon Sullivan is going to, it's going to be a big game for him. Danny Amadola out of the slot was targeted seven times last week for 81 yards. So he was their He was their top receiver. And chandon or sullivan said that he felt he was a little rusty last week so this could be a game for him to kind of come and if he can shut down amadola and i I'm, i'm confident that kevin king and jair can shut down jones and cephas like cephas is a rookie he's going to be going against better corners this week than he did last week with the bears um jones for some reason is kind of like peterson to me where he somehow has the best games of his career against the packers so I'll be looking to see if we can shut him down because that just will warm my heart a little bit because I I know nothing about Jones other than I hate him because he always burns the Packers. It's a weird hatred I have for him. Uh, but, yeah, I think the big person to shut down is going to be Amadola. He does have that connection with Stafford where Cephas doesn't, and he's a he's a savvy veteran that can get open. Uh, so we'll see what Sullivan can do. That's going to be a matchup I'm watching. Yeah. And that's kind of the one last week we kind of mentioned a, a matchup to
2: watch on the defense and something that we weren't quite sure that the Vikings had the personnel to take advantage of was Chandon Sullivan breaking in as the new full-time nickel corner. The lions do Danny Amendola is a, he's a crafty veteran crafty is like the way that the nice way that people say old, but we're going to call him crafty. <laughs> Cause we're respectful crafty veteran, able to kind of make those plays. That's going to be a third down kind of target. That Matthew Stafford can kind of find on those things. So I think the big key on third down is going to be can Sullivan hold up long enough to get guys like Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith time to get home? Because the Packers' pass rush did have some good luck last year against this Lions offensive line, albeit they are replacing a few different guys. Rick Wagner, for example, is now on the other side of this matchup. I can't call it a rivalry. So, Maggie, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this pass catching group as a whole? Is Stafford going to be able to be able to do some damage against this Packers secondary.
3: Yeah. I mean, we talked about, well, I talked about, I guess that Stafford is to me the best quarterback beyond Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North. Um, I, I think I'm higher on Kirk Cousins than most people and it's not that I like him. It's just that I think that he is serviceable enough to get this team where it needs to go. My example um, a couple weeks ago was that Rex Grossman got to the Super Bowl. Um, you said Trent Dilfer. So, you know, Kirk Cousins is, arguably better than both of those quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, I think Matt Stafford is going to have an easier go of it. Um, just because of his talent, I think that he's surrounded by better talent in the wide receiving room. Um, you know, just because Justin Jefferson is still developing, Adam Thielen was kind of trying to do it all last week on his own. Um, you know, you said the tight ends. I agree with you. Irv Smith uh, Jr. is kind of coming into his own, trying to figure things out still at an NFL level. And Kyle Rudolph, I think, is, you know, declining slowly, but I think he's still talented. And I think Packers still would have taken him a couple seasons ago, Packers fan. So yeah, I mean, Marvin Jones Jr. to me has always kind of been the the Matt Stafford security blanket, where he's just Always kind of available. Um, he put up some really good numbers before he got hurt the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, I mean, I think that this will be a better test for the Packers secondary, but I also think that the Packers secondary is continuing to also improve. So, as they face better talent throughout the season, you know, I think that, you know, we already, it's a small sample size, Jair Alexander is looking like you know, future all-pro Jair Alexander. He's kind of doing everything in week one that we wanted him to do, taking a jump from his second season into his third season. So I think, you know, Kenny Galladay being out would definitely hurt that offense, but Matt Stafford is, he's going to spread the ball around. And I think that, you know, I agree that the nickel spot with Jan and Sullivan and that slot kind of middle of the defense is going to be that soft spot because I think Jair and Kevin King are both fully capable of kind of locking down the boundary guys.
2: All right, guys, we're running low here a little bit on time, so let's get to the end here. The biggest key to this game on defense for the Packers, they can slow down this Packers – or excuse me, this Lions offense if – Maggie?
3: They stop Adrian Peterson.
2: Jimmy? If they
4: pressure the quarterback.
2: All right, so there you guys have that. I'm going to go with if they pressure the quarterback as well because I think you can make Matthew Stafford make some mistakes. He's just, Like I said, he's talented. They're going to pile up yards. What you got to do is make sure that Matthew Stafford gets a cup, get a couple turnovers and make sure that they're kicking Matt Prater field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. So we're out of time, guys. Let's get to the prediction portion of this show. Uh, last week, obviously all of us were picking the Packers. Duh. And we're going on. We're one and zero, So that's good to start the week. Uh, Packers lions. It will be a 12 noon kickoff on Sunday. Uh, it's at Lambeau field. It's the home opener. No fans in the stands, which obviously stinks so hopefully that's something that can be rectified sooner rather than later but it will be green bay uh one to zero against the lions who are currently 0 and 1 trying to get back to the mendoza
4: line if you will so jimmy i'll start with you who are you picking and why uh i'm i'm going to go with the packers on this one i think it's going to be a tougher matchup than last week uh but i think we just uh, we saw what aaron rodgers and devonte can do against young corners and um it's looking like their top corner is going to be a rookie this year. And I think we're going to carve them up again. So I'm going to go uh, Packers 31 Lions 28. It's going to be a close one. Okay. And Maggie, Jimmy and I always are really close
3: with (laughs) our point differentials. Um, I'm, I have the Packers taking this one. I think it'll be closer. Um, The score in my head is 24, 21. I think that the Lions, um we'll put up some touchdowns like you said Matt Stafford's going to get his yardage Adrian Peterson's going to get his yardage but um i think that in the end you know it's it's another case of Aaron Rodgers going up against a really young unproven secondary and i think he's going to capitalize on that especially at home even though there is no um you know real home field advantage beyond it being Lambeau field so
2: yeah i like green bay as well i think this is going to be a fun one this weekend uh matthew stafford has a lot of weapons that match up i think really well with green bay's defense and I think green Bay, like you guys have just mentioned the lions have Jeff Okuda is going to be making his debut. Well, welcome to the league rookie. You're facing Devonte Adams. I wish you the best of luck, my friend. Uh, apart from that, the lions are missing two of their top cornerbacks, their pass rush. I don't think has enough to make up for that, but I think the lions are going to be able to put up points. This might be one of those shootouts. I got green Bay. I'm going to say 37 31. And I think that a Matthew Stafford turnover is going to be the difference. So, Big one, a fun one this weekend, and then going into another potential shootout between two future Hall of Famers, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. But we're out of time. One thing I did want to point out that I missed at the beginning as far as news, we do have the Hall of Fame class. The initials have been announced. Uh, Charles Woodson and Leroy Butler are on it. So that would be kind of cool to see two Packers defensive backs going together. So NFL Hall of Fame, right the wrongs that you've done in the previous (laughs) years and put Leroy Butler in, first of all. Second of all, Charles Woodson's first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, So that one should be relatively easy. So nonetheless, we're out of time. Jimmy, if people want to find you, promote your, or excuse me, find your stuff, go ahead and promote everything that you have. Uh, Google is usually a pretty good start, but let's be a little more specific.
4: Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'll be posting an article for uh, Packer Report as well as Game on Wisconsin. Every Wednesday, I'll be on Lombardi's Bar live on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook um, through Game on Wisconsin. And that's at seven thirty, And then every Tuesday going forward, we're going to be doing a live show with uh, swag daddy himself, Jamal Williams every Tuesday night at six. So that also be live on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, find us there, listen to the, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jamal Williams. Uh, and it's for a good cause. Yeah. That
2: cause being the Jamal Williams J swag daddy swag bag foundation, which is a toy drive and bicycle drive. So we'll get you guys more details on how to donate to that. Uh, But some cool stuff that you guys have a chance to enter and win, but a toy drive for children and family in need. So be sure to check that out. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf and I'll get you guys information on how to uh, find that cause and everything like that as well. Maggie, where can we find you? We got to save the best for last.
3: I don't know. I don't have J Swag Daddy coming on my shows, but I do have Perry Goldstein. So you can find me and Perry. That's a
2: really close (laughs) second if it's not like a 1A.
3: Perry's number one in my heart. So you can find me and Perry uh, with that's what she said. Um, Episodes drop late in the week. We have, um, we're doing a full season preview. So make sure to check that out. Um, You can find me writing two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. And on Mondays, Perry and I, because you can never have enough Perry and Maggie in your life. We have happy hour with Game on Wisconsin on, um, find us again on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook at 6 PM. Bring your drinks and your questions. And we will break down all of the dubs that are coming the Packers way this season.
2: Yeah, and well, in two weeks you guys have the uh, game preview show, so that'll be pretty exciting before the Packers take on the Falcons. So that's going to be go. uh,
3: the first show from my brand new Packers basement. So oh, oh that
2: nice. is fantastic. So we've got yeah. an extra special night coming ahead there, guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to the Packaday fo- Podcast. You can follow that on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Big surprise there. Thank you guys for listening. Check out tomorrow. We have Kyle and Andrew, uh, Packers Lions Sunday. Thank you for listening and go Pack go.
5: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.